not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when there is the log in your own eye? You hypocrite! First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Church family, we are continuing in our sermon series on the Sermon on the Mount, greatest sermon ever given. And today we'll be in Matthew 7, uh, verses 1 through 5, as well as verse 12. And, in, and if you don't have a Bible and would like one, there's some on the table in the back. If you're using a digital version, uh, we're using the English Standard Version this morning. One of the most, if not the most, infamous phrases out of Scripture is the golden rule. And uh, perhaps you know it. Uh, it was made infamous by um, Jafar, the great theologian from the Disney movie Aladdin. Uh, of which I was, I had two younger sisters growing up, and I was subject to that movie on repeat. You know the, remember the VHS, please be kind and rewind? Well, there was a lot of rewinding going on and playing over and over and over again. Uh, Since then, the United Nations has uh, um, made that illegal as a form of torture, and so uh, luckily for you, um, you won't be subject to that. But of course, Jafar in the movie Aladdin says that the golden rule is whoever has the gold makes the rules, right? Whoever has the gold makes the rules. And that's, of course, what Jesus teaches here in the Sermon on the Mount. Wait, is that right? Now, what's the golden rule? Let me try to remember. Oh, that's right. It's in verse 12. Check this out. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. So as we think about... Uh, Jesus teaching in the Sermon on the Mount, we have been taught, we have, we have covered so far up until this point, uh, we've talked about divorce, we've talked about adultery, we've talked about unrighteous anger and rage. Uh, what else have we talked about? We're going to talk about money next week. I shouldn't have announced that because attendance will be a lot lower. Um, we're talking about how we're going to give you money next week. How about that? Uh, we, so we've talked about all these things. Uh, also in the scriptures, you have oath. Uh, oath-keeping and oath-taking, honesty. And of course, it's easy to listen to that sermon and see, read through these teachings and then begin to look at other people and think, you need to hear Pastor Caleb's sermon. (laughs) You know, I I rarely get um, emails or Facebook messages that say, Pastor Caleb, could you please send me a link uh, to last week's sermon because I need it. Usually it's Pastor Caleb, would you please send me a link to last week's sermon because Jim needs it, my neighbor. We have a tendency to judge and to mistreat. And so now the Lord shows us here in uh, chapter seven uh, three things that we'll see. Number one, how we're to treat others. Number two, how we're to think of others. And number three, how we're to think of ourselves. How we're to treat others, how we're to think of others, how we're to think of ourselves. Here you have it, right, in the golden rule. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Now that language of law and prophets, is that weird? 
That's weird. Let, let, me, you, you, let me give you some freedom. That is weird to me, okay? It's like, let me read it again, okay? You guys ready? I'm gonna read it again, and you tell me if this feels like it's flowing for you, okay? Like, obviously, this makes perfect sense. Are you ready? I'm gonna read it one more time. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. Are we good so far? Come on. This seems fluid. Seems like everything's making perfect sense. Great. For this is the law and the prophets. Broseph, what are we talking about, right? What are we talking about? Well, uh, I'm glad you asked because what Jesus is doing here when he says the law and the prophets, basically what he's saying, this is what the scriptures teach. This is, it was a, it's a, it's a, a catchphrase to basically include all of scripture. So uh, you could subdivide the scriptures as the law and the prophets. In Jesus' day, he would have understood and his hearers would have understood this is the scriptures. And so uh, there are those of us who day in and day out, we come across people, we engage with people and, and something goes wrong or something uh, funny happens, and we ask ourselves, how am I going to respond to this person? And then for those of us that are um, people who read the scriptures or engage with the scriptures, we might begin to ask ourselves, what do the scriptures teach? What does God say in the word for how I'm to respond in this moment? And then what can often happen is we will become overwhelmed with the width, breadth of scripture and think, I don't know. I don't know how to respond in this circumstance. There's so many teachings in the Bible. I don't know how to apply it here. And here, Jesus makes it very clear. If you want to know how to respond, you want to know what all the scriptures teach about how you should engage in this moment, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. In Matthew 22, verses 37 through 40, he uses this phrase, again, this may be familiar to some of you. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, This is the greatest and most important command, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself, yourself, okay? All the law and the prophets depend on these two commands. You want to know how to put that into practice? You love your neighbor as yourself. How do you love your neighbor as yourself? You do to them what you wish that they would do to you in the same circumstances. You with me? Okay. So, easy to understand. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Easy to do, right? Like this is the easiest sermon to understand. But tomorrow, and tomorrow morning, you're going to be faced with an opportunity, I guarantee it, where you say, how shall I respond in this circumstance? And you will not have a conundrum of complex teachings. You'll, what's going to happen is you're going to be like, I remember Pastor Caleb reminded us what Jesus said. He said, do unto others as we would have them do unto us. And so the problem's not going to be cognitive. What's the problem going to be? I don't want to do it. Obviously, Jesus didn't know about this person, <laughs> this gem of creation, this crowning glory of, of, of the Imago Dei. Obviously, Jesus didn't have this situation in mind. Of course, the king and creator of the universe who with his hand holds the cosmos together. The reason that you and I don't use seatbelts in bed is because gravity works, and the reason gravity works is because Jesus holds it all together, maintaining order in an otherwise chaotic universe. Of course he didn't see your unique circumstance coming. The problem's not gonna be cognitive. It's gonna be the heart. What do you do? Have you, I mean, have you, have you ever had a coworker fail you? 
Have you ever had another student not do their uh, end of the project and then you're up until midnight doing your end of the project? Have you ever had a lover let you down? Have you ever had a friend sinned against you? How should I behave in that moment? Well, I, if, the, if the role's reversed, if the shoe is on the other foot, I, I'm gonna treat them as if I was them and the circumstances were reversed. The other thing that's intriguing here in the golden rule that Jesus lays out is it's proactive. And this is unique because there was, a, there was uh, teachings that were contemporary to Jesus' uh, time when he gave this sermon, uh, what some scholars call the silver rule. The, the silver rule goes like this. Do not do to others what you don't want done to you. Now, how is that different? Let me do it again. The silver rule, which was a contemporary of Jesus' day, although Jesus didn't give this teaching, it went like this. Do not do to other people what you don't want done to you. But Jesus comes on the scene and he says, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. What's the difference? One's positive, one's negative, one's a prohibition, one's a command to get active. Now I want you to see, Jesus here is calling us to put love into action, to be proactive in our love. Do you see? Now, check this out. This is not just don't behave in a way that you wouldn't want others to behave, but rather do a proactive thing if you see, and let me put it to you another way. If you see someone in need and you wonder, how should I behave in this circumstance? Should I help this person in need or not? Ask yourself, if I was in need like that, would I want someone else to help me? Do you see? It's proactive. And Jesus teases it out here as well. Uh, He goes on into the text uh, in uh, verse five, uh, excuse me, back into the text for us. He says, um, first take the log out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother or sister's eye. So we have this infamous uh, portion of scripture, the uh, why do you look to take the speck out of a brother's eye when you don't take the log out of your own eye? You guys heard that? Uh, you had a log in your eye. And what he's getting at here is that it is a responsibility of a follower of Jesus when they see a brother or sister that has a speck in their eye to be about the business of removing the speck. If they see a brother or sister in Christ caught in a besetting sin, it is a responsibility, a proactive responsibility, a loving thing to do to speak in to that circumstance. But... Uh, that's proactive love. But there is uh, a large temptation when we speak, in, speak into people's lives to think ourselves more highly than we ought to think. That's what Jesus is getting at here. It's interesting. Look at verse uh, 1. This uh, has been quoted by every 14-year-old for 2,000 years. Judge not, lest you be not judged. Mom. Who's to say my room's not clean? Right? Mom, don't judge me. And then how does mom respond? I brought you into this world. I can take you out. Clean your room. One of the, uh, uh, we're always quoting Tupac, right? (laughs) Only God is my judge, right? By the way, try using that, try slacking off at work and using that on your boss. Right? Hey, you didn't, get, uh, you didn't get your TPS report done on time. Only God can judge me. 
yeah, but I can fire you, right? And you're fired. This language of judge not, I want, I want to be very uh, careful here because we can take this out of context and use it to justify our apathy. Judge not that you be not judged, for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye, when there is the log in your own eye, you hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. You have here this wonderful illustration. I mean, this is such a graphic illustration. And Jesus, the Gospel of Mark tells us that Jesus uh, had been a carpenter, and this is a carpenter's illustration. Do you see that that, that thing in the person's eye is, a, is sawdust? Have you ever gotten a piece of sawdust in your eye? Okay, so that's the illustration that's used. You get something in your eye. A piece of, so it's like you have this idea of, of a craftsman, right, sawing, and then, oops, some, dust, uh, some sawdust comes up, it gets in the eye. And Jesus gives this illustration of someone who has a piece of sawdust in their eye. And by the way, what do you do when you get something in your eye? Right, you cry. I mean, society literally ceases to exist. It's absolute anarchy until that thing is out of your eye. I mean, you could be in the highest level business meeting, everyone's got nice ties on, and someone gets something in their eye, and they're like, oh, 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 no, 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 right? They're just, why? It hurts, man. It really, really hurts. And here's the other problem is you get something in your eye, you can't see it to get it out, can you? Right, you're stuck, you, you are, you are uh, in a bad way, you get something caught in your eye, you need someone else to come and help you get that out of your eye. Now, here's the illustration, is there's someone, they're sawing or whatever, they get a piece of sawdust in their eye, and they're like, could, they're, they're, they're making noise, right? They're flailing about, ah, I got sawdust in my eye. And then some uh, brother or sister walks up like with a plank in their eye, a four by four, and they're like, what's up bro, let me take that out. Do you see how hilarious this illustration is? Also, do you see how dangerous it is for the person with the log in their eye, with the, the, the plank eye, to go about the business of doing eye surgery, right? If you, because, because what's needed here, when you have to get a piece of sawdust out of someone's eye, what do you need? You need precision, y'all with me, right? If you ever go to an eye doctor who's gonna do surgery on your eyes and they're like, you know what, I'm a bit clumsy. No more! You know, I'm always fumbling around with stuff. Nope. I want a doctor who has what? Precision. You need precision, because if you're gonna go in and get that piece of sawdust out of my eye, I want you to be precise. Otherwise, you might do some damage. Here's the other thing. I want a doctor with what? Vision to see. Yeah, right. Yeah, I need my eye doctor to see. Uh, that's right. Also, compassion. Because if someone's going to get in there and just start jabbing around with the tweezers, it's going to hurt even more, and I'm going to be further damaged. Am I right? Here Jesus says, as we put love into action, as we see the besetting sins of others, as we're in relationship, 
as we go to bring that up, as we go to speak to them, as we go to bring it to their attention, be careful that we first look after our own hearts for there may be a two by four in our eye. And if there's a two by four in our eye and we're just walking around like this, we're not gonna bring healing, what are we gonna bring? More pain, more destruction. And so check yourself, Jesus says. Jesus here is not talking, and this gets back to the 14-year-old telling his mom, don't judge me, only God can judge me. Jesus here is not talking about discernment or using good judgment. What Jesus is talking about here is uh, being judgy. And it's interesting, judgment and judge, uh, don't judge, uh, has a positive and a negative nuance, doesn't it? If I said, well, I ju- all I feel is that person's judgment, what do you assume? Is that positive or negative? Negative. But if I'm the victim in a court case and I said the judge is a good judge who decrees good judgments, is that positive or negative? Positive. Do you see? The word, depending on how you use judgment, could be positive or negative. Generally, when we say, don't judge me, bro, what we mean is, don't speak any truth into my life. Don't tell me I'm wrong. Don't, don't speak any sort of God's righteousness into my life. I don't want to hear about it. And Jesus, in fact, is saying, no, you do need to speak that into people's lives, but you need to do it with compassion and precision. Checking your own heart first. Because you don't want to do more damage. And we live in a moment. We, we, oh, man. Y'all are judgy. Like... Y'all are so judgy. I'm judgy. We're all judgy. We're all just judgy McJudgersons, all of us. Like, I can't even go out to eat anymore. I mean, this is how I've been wired. I don't know what happened. I can't even go to a restaurant without spending 47 days on Yelp and Google reviews, thoroughly engaging every one of the reviews. Have you guys ever been caught in that conundrum? Like, you're in the parking lot of the restaurant, and you're like, hmm, I don't know. Like my $22 is gonna make a big deal in my life. I'm just, I mean, have you ever read these reviews? Nope. <laughs> it's good, it's healthy. You, sometimes, you go to Amazon, you're gonna buy a product, you read the reviews. Now here's, here's discernment, right? Here's discernment. I went to the restaurant. I perceived that the food did not taste good. I would not recommend it for anyone who likes the type of cuisine that I like. Here's judgment or judginess. The chef is the devil, and the owners are idiots. Do you see the difference? Okay. We live in a moment in which we are enticed, moment by moment, to cast judgment and to find fault everywhere. It is an unfortunate reality that many headlines are meant to bait us in to sitting in the throne room and decreeing judgment, finding fault on others. Just read the news. And yet we must be careful. Galatians 6, 1 through 2 says this. Brothers and sisters, if someone is overtaken in any wrongdoing, you who are spiritual, restore such a person with a gentle spirit, watching out for yourselves so that you also won't be tempted. Carry or bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. 
We have to bear with one another. But when we go to speak to someone, we have to be careful to be gentle. It's like an animal caught in a wire. So too, we get caught in sin. And what we don't need is we don't need to be scolded. We don't need to be shamed. We need someone to help us untangle the mess, do you see? And we need it done gently, with compassion and precision. Here's, uh, do you know, have you ever heard the word projecting? You're projecting onto someone? Uh, think about this. So we've got two giant projectors up here, and what's happening is there's an image on the computer back there, and it's going to those machines up there that are called projectors. Very good. And, it's, and because their job is to project that image onto these screens so that what you believe you want to see, or namely the folks in the tech booth believe that they want to see, put onto the screens, they're going to project that image onto the screen. You with me? Now, if we walk into a circumstance where we perceive a besetting sin in someone else's life, and we're walking around with a plank eye, we may fall into the temptation of projecting our besetting sin onto them, and then being mad at them for it. I have never been more furious than when my son is furious about something silly. I yell and scream at him, stop reflecting back to me my own imperfections and besetting sins. How dare you get so mad? <laughs> right? If we're not analyzing our own heart, we may fall into the temptation of hypocritically projecting our own faults and failures onto someone else. But let me say this as well. If you cannot see yourself falling into the besetting sin that you're going to speak into, if you think that you're above it, if you think, I don't even, I can't, I would never do such a thing, it's highly likely that you are not the right person to speak into that situation. Because the temptation can be, what's your problem? As opposed to, I'm here to help. Now that's not for all circumstances, but it at the very least needs to stop us to perceive what are the logs that I have in my eye? What are the things that other people are seeing in my life that I need to address before I speak into this person's life? The ideal here is someone who thinks critically, not a critical person, do you see? It's someone who thinks critically mercifully, someone who uses discernment with self-sacrificing love. We should not hear the words, do not judge, lest you be judged, and think, I should never make a, have a critical thought or make an analysis on whether this person is a wise person or a foolish person or an evil person. No, we should be thinking and analyzing and discerning. What Jesus here is, is warning against is me saying, I know what God thinks about you. I know how God's gonna judge you in the end days. You see, this type of judgment is replacing myself with God on the judgment seat. When we have a bad day and we mistreat people at school, at work, in family, 
What do we want them to assume about us? The best or the worst? We want them to think, oh, Caleb, he must have had a really hard day. He must have had some really hard news, and that's why he's being a little bit uh, of a mean person or aloof or generally how he is every day. But when other people are a little bit rude to us or a little bit short with us or a little bit you know, mean to us, what do we tend to assume about them, the best or the worst? We think, demon, depart from me. How we think of others must, must be shaped by this text. To put it another way, um, one of the things that Jesus is showcasing here is that we are not the judge, we're the judged. We are not the judge, cosmically. We're the ones who will be judged. We're the judged, do you see? It's in the text. Let me, you guys want to go back to the text? Let's go back to the text. Because I'm not making that, I want to show you I'm not making this up. Judge not that you be not judged, for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. You will be measured. The scriptures are very clear. In fact, um, one of the things, uh, uh, one of the ancient creeds of the Christian faith says that Jesus will one day return to judge the living and the dead. All of your thoughts, all of your works, all of your motives will be exposed before a mighty and righteous judge. You see, one of the things that that 14-year-old disrespecting his mom when he says, only God can judge me, one of the things he doesn't get is that that's horrifying. We say to people, only God is my judge, as if that should bring us comfort and peace. But like, if I analyze my own life, that's absolutely horrifying. You see it on TV, you see uh, people who are leaders or of prominence, you see them exposed, right? Some aspect of their personal life comes out and they call it, they they say that so-and-so has been exposed. You guys ever seen that before? By the way, that's a headline that's trying to bait you into being judgy. Just wanna say that out loud. An expose on this person, right? To, To reveal that which is secret. You and I will be exposed, you and I are exposed, to, to walk around day in and day out thinking that the king and creator of the universe who holds the universe together with the word of his power doesn't like see right through us, come on. We're not the judge, we're the judged. Some of us were like, we don't like that language of judgment. We don't like a God who judges. We, we, we don't believe, I don't believe in a God who would judge that way. You know, God's love, God's not a judge. Okay, well, let, let me just try this out. There's this dude named Francis Schaeffer. Uh, he was a theologian, 60s and 70s, awesome guy. He had this great illustration, and uh, it's one of my favorites. He said, imagine that there's a, a tape recorder. It's an invisible tape recorder. This is the 70s. Uh, invisible tape recorder that uh, is around your neck, and every time you say the words, people shouldn't, or they're wrong for, or I would never, the tape recorder turns on and records your judgment. Hmm? Now, as it turns out, that was prophetic because 
all of our smartphones are actually recording us all the time. That's neither here nor there. (laughs) Just keep that in mind, right? Like we're nervous about our phone, but God also hears us as it turns out. And every time you made a judgment on someone else, the tape recorder turned on. And then at the end of your days, you die and you stand before the judge. And the judge gets up there and says, play. And there before you is a lifetime of law that you have laid down. Would you stand innocent under your own judgments? I mean, laying aside the law and the prophets, would you stand up to your own standards, much less the standards of God? You see, we're, we're not the judge, we're the judged. For those of us that are Christians, and again, I know not all of us are Christians, but for those of us that are, I, I hope that this uh, next piece will be a help to you. Tim Keller is a minister in New York City. He wrote a book called Ministries of Mercy in the 90s. And he says this, when a Christian sees prostitutes, alcoholics, prisoners, drug addicts, unwed mothers, the homeless, refugees, the Christian knows that they are looking in a mirror. I'm going to do that one more time. When a Christian sees prostitutes, alcoholics, prisoners, drug addicts, unwed mothers, the homeless, refugees, they know that they are looking in a mirror. Perhaps this Christian has spent all of their life as a respectable middle-class person, but that is no matter. The Christian thinks spiritually, I was just like these people. Though physically and socially I never was where they are now, they are outcasts, spiritually speaking. And I am an outcast, spiritually speaking. When a Christian, when you see, okay, so check this out. Here's the jam. When you see what you consider to be despicable behavior in another person, someone who is, uh, has besetting sin that's leading them to be an outcast. We ought not to think of ourselves as judge, but rather as judged, and look, instead of someone in condemnation, look at them and say, that's me. For how else are we to do unto others as we would have them do unto me? When we see, we say, that's me and then act accordingly. For we are not the judge, we are the judged. Now at this moment, we think, this is easy to understand and simultaneously horrifying. Jesus does not end with the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus gives us the sermon. And then later on in the Gospel of Matthew, it tells us that he gives us his life. The judge takes on the penalty for his righteous judgments. The king and creator of the universe 
allows himself to be nailed to a plank. The gospel is this, that God judges righteously, that God is just, and God is gracious, and God is compassionate, and he's given his life for the judged. What can we do but worship, give thanks, and treat one another with compassion and grace? What can we do in light of the gospel but those things? For it is in the gospel that we find the power to live the golden rule.